now when you see what's going on uh, in, in Ukraine, uh, this becomes a really big problem. In fact, when you talk about uh, blocking Russia from the SWIFT system, this is a big problem. And people don't talk about the unintended consequences. I think we're on the verge of, of a separate war, and that's on the U.S. dollar. Uh, and I think it could officially be waged at any moment, and that would be between collectively probably Russia and China. Russia and China are, are, are laying the foundation to completely sidestep the U.S. dollar. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Andy Sheckman, the president of Miles Franklin, coming back to the program. We have a lot to talk about. I hope you're ready to listen to a long two-part show. It's two parts. I apologize. I know some people want it in one part, but anytime it goes over an hour, I chop it up because of my internet and because some people, just like in life, there's people who like it and there's people who don't like it. So I guess... I have to go with what makes the most sense for me, and that's to chop it up whenever it's over an hour. So those of you who don't like it, I apologize. But if you can, this might be the perfect one to have in smaller parts because I would listen to this multiple times and really let what he says dig in. He says a lot in a short period of time, and so I, I really recommend you to um Take some time to listen to this and maybe watch, listen to it twice or watch it twice, whether you're on audio podcast or watching on video. I also want to tell you, my podcast is really growing, even though Apple uh, deleted my thing and I had to start over. So I lost seven years of subscribers. It still grew. I think it's, it didn't grow for about two weeks. It was negative and now it's growing. It's been growing for a long, and so I'm just like, okay, cool. I still am below on Apple, but it's still growing, so that's fantastic. But anyways, getting back to the topic of this program, we are going to talk about the fact that every single time over the, you know, since the beginning of the 19th century, any time a monetary reset occurs, there is a war or some kind of major crisis. I published an article on that with the historical nature of resets and wars really is what they do. And so that's why these wars all the time are called bankers wars, because in the backdrop of what's going on, there's usually resets of monetary systems. And there's wars over that or conflicts over that and what's really going to occur. But they use this, the central bankers use this as an opportunity to do their resets. I think this time it's a bigger deal because you're seeing a shift of power from the West to the East and there's more going on here. Not everyone agrees with the goal of shifting to the East. Yeah, I think Klaus Schwab and company have had a plan to shift to the East because, as he says in his book, the Asians are more docile. They've been accustomed to obediency. You know, if you've read Corey Diggs' articles, she's just amazing. You go to CoreyDiggs.com. She did a, I think it was an eight-part series now on the obedience training that they've been doing in our country with children through adults, not just children, but through adults, obedience training. They've been spending billions in this country to get people to obey, ready for this time. They want us to be like the Chinese because you cannot put in a Marxist type environment or technocracy or whatever kind of top down dictator 
track everything we do kind of situation without having obedient people. And as you can see now, we fight back. The thing that's the most disturbing to me is, you know, we started really fighting back with COVID. We were fighting back with our freedoms. And then suddenly this war happens, which is so obvious that they're using it as a distraction or a way to get people re-engaged differently. And everyone starts doing the war drums. Every, even the ones, the news networks you think are probably independent, like OAN, everyone on both sides of the aisle, all the media are beating the drum that, you know, about let's take down Russia. Uh, it was all this puffery and all this BS. I just can't believe the ignorance on display. It is absolutely incredible. Not that I know everything, but I got to tell you, after I've been researching Ukraine and I've been engaged in, in un, trying to understand geopolitical maneuvers and bankers and everything else, I see more of an objective, zoomed out perspective. And when I watch now, it be, if, I'm telling you, it, it's, it's more disturbing than ever to watch people be manipulated at this level. It is so disturbing. It's almost like I'm Neo in the Matrix and all these people are acting in these bizarre ways and I'm just watching it. The manipulation is absolutely off the charts and very disturbing. But that being said, it doesn't mean that Putin, because the independent media too is just doobie. I mean, they think that Putin's going to come and save them and all these things. Yeah, Ukraine has this major issue major corruption it's the hotbed of trafficking and money laundering and and the russians are being uh slaughtered in massive numbers especially on the east and the donbass region and so they and then you know and then the treaties that nato has reneged on putin really does have some legit beefs going on but at the same time you have klaus schwab bragging and saying he's so proud of Putin. He just recently did this. He was, Putin was a young leader and he's bragging that he's so proud of him. So I, you know, it, it's like, what is going on? And maybe Klaus Schwab is doing it from a PSYOP standpoint. I don't know. And that Putin is becoming a renegade and just wants a sovereignty. I don't know. But if you look inside what's going on inside of Russia, they had the same crap going on there that we had here with the vaccines. People being forced to be vaccinated, shutdowns, masking, all the same crap that we had here, they were doing in Russia, lockstep. So, you know, when Klaus Schwab brags about him and says he was a young leader, maybe, and maybe he is just being propped to to be the one leading this war for the bankers. I, you know, it, it's, it looks like that. But anyways, my, Andy Sheckman has some really good analysis from a monetary standpoint, the dollar. We also talk about silver. We just do that up front because I want to talk about how many dollars there is compared to silver from 1913 to today. That is an incredible number. I, you know, it's not necessarily accurate of what silver should be because it says that compared to 1913, it was $2.00. But, you know, based on the number of dollars with, you know, accounting for inflation, now it should be $3,000 for an ounce of silver. No, that's not going to be exactly accurate because we're talking about the number of printed dollars. So as our assets increase, it, it doesn't relate directly to that. But it is a sure indicator of how out of whack silver is in the market. 
And we talk about that as well. But he also talks about the SWIFT system and how, you know, all this puffery of getting Russia off the SWIFT system, only that only speeds up our demise of the dollar. It's just so stupid. And maybe that's the goal. And so we're going to talk about some of this. Again, if you have time, you might want to listen to this twice. It's a two-parter. And so before I get into this, I have to tell you, sign up for my newsletter, sarahwestall.com. I print articles. My articles are doing really well. And I'm really happy about that because sometimes I do better just writing articles and getting my thoughts out in articles. And so if you uh, are interested in reading, you can go there. There's a lot of material there. I also publish other people's stuff and people are submitting uh, things too. So there's a lot of exclusive material, although I highly encourage everybody to share. You can reprint. Everything is open as far as as long as you keep all the links. If you have a website, you can reprint any of our stuff. Just don't take away the credit and the links. So remember, sarahwestall.com. Go there, sign up for my newsletter and share this work. Let's get into... Andy Sheckman and learning about what's really, really going on geopolitically and with the dollar and precious metals. Hi, Andy. Welcome back to the program. Sarah, it's so nice to see you again, and uh, thanks for having me. And uh, it's been too long, but I hope you're doing well up there in Minnesota. Well, you know, you moved from Minnesota, so you know what it's like up here. I'm jealous. You're down in Florida. But I needed to have you on, you know, with the war going on, with the crazy inflation going on. Yeah. I have some questions. You know, I I sent you a chart, which it shows the uh, dollar to silver ratio. And this is the number of printed dollars um, to silver from 1913 to now adjusted for, you know, well, it's not adjusted. Yeah, it's adjusted for inflation, but the number of dollars to this number of ounces And in 1913, it would be $2.66, whereas now it should be $3,012 compared to the printed dollars. Now, that's the only chart that I see that's extremely out of whack for silver. So what is going on there, in your opinion? Well, it's interesting. You know, that that doesn't surprise me at all, first of all. I mean, let's just talk about the, the facts of it is that you've had more money printed in the last several years than the world has ever seen. In fact, in the last two years, 50% of every dollar ever printed in the history of this country has been done printed in the last two years. Let me say that one more time. 50% of every dollar that has ever been printed has been done so in the last two years. When I started in this industry, Sarah, there used to be something called M3, which was the broadest measure of our money supply. And Bernanke stopped publishing it because he cited it as archaic and costly to the government. Yeah. M- M2 was the next same thing. They're both gone. And so to see the real number of dollars that have been printed is is very difficult. Let me give you another example real quick, not to get too far off track, but the Levy Economic Institute challenged the Federal Reserve all the way to the Supreme Court for some documents that were sealed for the last 12 years surrounding the 2008 financial crisis. Yes. We were told that $700 billion went to pay uh, fund TARP, uh, $700 billion went to fund uh, infrastructure. It was the, that $1.5 trillion nearly that, that created the Tea Party. And then another uh, $1.5 trillion, or excuse me, $3 trillion, pardon me, uh, to the banks. We were told about $5 trillion was paid out between 2008 and 2010. Well, 
The Levy Economic Institute, through a Freedom of Information Act, challenged the Federal Reserve all the way to the Supreme Court, and the truth was just released. It was not $5 trillion. It was over $29 trillion that the Federal Reserve spent bailing out banks and institutions all across the globe, spreading inflation everywhere from Japan to the United Kingdom to, to Germany, where we see inflation in Germany, the highest it's been since World War II, and the United Kingdom, the highest it's been in 30 years, the highest it's been in Japan. You're seeing inflation being spread everywhere and money creation, yet at the same time, the level of effort that has been used by the banking cartel to hold down the price of silver has created this massive distortion. I'll give you an example. Right now, Bank of America is short, short, 800 million ounces of silver. Um, and so uh, today, on a day like today, where silver is up 20 cents, you know, times 800 million, you're talking, what, a $160 million loss today alone, just on a 20%, a 20 cent rise. What's interesting with the price of silver, you can tell there is a very, very strong effort to hold it down, and they're losing. Let me give you an example. Uh, the other day when silver broke up above $25, we have to remember that the 200-day uh, moving average is a big number in technical analysis, and the price of silver has already blown through its 50-day moving average, and it blew through its 200-day moving average, which was about $24.40. They smacked it down to under $24. And today, as we speak, we are at $24.51, about an hour and a half before the market closes. That 200-day moving average is something that once breached and the market closes signals on a momentum indicator and on a technical ind indicator to the big funds to jump on board. And I guess what I would say to you is the only way you can uh, manipulate a market over time in the direction that it is going, but I will tell you, it's almost eerie the level of effort that has been used by the, the commercial banks, probably on behalf of the central banks, probably on behalf of the United States Central Bank, to hold down the price of silver. Remember, last year, J.P. Morgan paid a $920 million fine to the Justice Department for manipulating the market. Now, interesting, they've gone long. They've flip-flopped. Uh, some of the analysts that I read call it one of the greatest nijitsu moves of all time, where they hoodwink the other commercial banks, a la Bank of America, into the short side. Bank of America, not only, or excuse me, uh, J.P. Morgan, not only has 1.2 billion ounces of physical silver in their house account, the largest stash the world's ever seen, but over 40 million ounces of gold as well, while Bank of America, foolishly in this environment, is short 800 million ounces. It's the short position in silver that bankrupt Bear Stearns. And Bart Chilton talked about that on the Chris Marcus podcast a few years ago before he died. Within a week of dying, he admitted oh, yep. all of the hullabaloo that centered around J.P. Morgan inheriting Bear Stearns' short position. But in a very roundabout answer to your question, Sarah, you have a concerted effort, for whatever reason, by the powers that be, to mitigate the rise of silver, and they're losing at the same time, you have copious amounts of money creation that is diluting the value of the dollar. So if silver were set free and should be priced relative to the amount of dollars that have been created, it should be massively higher. And that chart that you sent me pays tribute to that. Look, I say this with all sincerity. 
There are very few assets on the planet that have the fundamentals that silver does. It's the buying opportunity, the value opportunity of a generation as God is my witness, aside the fact that I sell it. I've been buying it every two weeks for 32 years. There is nothing quite like it right now when you look at the potential that it offers, the necessity that it provides in a green and digital world, and the renaissance globally that it's experienced monetarily. That duality in demand between industry and monetary separates silver from almost any other commodity because it has duality in demand, where things like copper are almost exclusively monetary and gold almost entirely, excuse me, almost exclusively industrial copper and gold almost exclusively monetary. They have singular demand sources where the duality in silver, coupled with its depletion in, 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 in the ground, coming out of the ground at a seven to one ratio to gold, and priced at about 77 to one, there are very few assets on the planet that not only have better fundamentals, supply and demand, uh, and at the same time is showing a greater um, propensity to be held back by the powers that be because it is the ultimate canary in the mine shaft. So along with gold, uh, I think the West is losing its ability, Sarah, to hide the real value like you were showing me of what silver ultimately could be. And uh, I think there's there's really nothing quite like it at this point. Yeah, it seems like a once in a generation deal, but you said some, a couple things here that are worth re, kind of circling back to. And that's what the Fed, and I brought it up in a show, but I didn't talk about it extensively. And this is worth talking about. The Fed tried to cover up, or they did, and they were forced to unseal some documents on the amount of money that was actually given out during the 2008 crisis. And when it came out that it was $22 trillion, 29. what were you, th or $29 trillion. <laughs> what were you, th I mean, I saw that and I was just shocked, but you know what, what we're seeing now with the repo market is more than what we saw in 2008 and no one's talking about it, but how much is really going on? If they hid all that, and it took lawsuit after lawsuit. It took a court case until now, and they sealed it, and they finally got it out. What is really happening in the repo markets and with the Fed giving out money across the world? What's really going on, do you think? Because yeah, well, we know the repo market's bigger than that $29 trillion. Yeah, All of that spending predates the 2019 repo market uh, debacle where upwards ends of a trillion dollars a night has been going into the repo market. And they do that because it's an overnight loan and that overnight loan has to be paid back the next day. And they use, they use treasuries as collateral for the overnight loan. So the, the fed loans or lends the, the money to the banks to meet their obligations overnight using, uh, pledged securities or treasuries rather as, as collateral. And every night the, the loan settles or every next day, the loan settles. So it, it, it doesn't appear as though the banks are being bailed out, but indeed that is what they are being. They are being bailed out because there is a liquidity problem. And so the fed is injecting all of this money into the system on top of the $9 trillion that they've spent fighting uh, COVID with stimulus and, and all of the money that they've given to everybody, uh, the amount of money that's been created is, is unprecedented. And so when you talk about, as an example, a CPI, an inflation number at 7.5%, well, this excludes food, energy, and housing, the three most inflated assets. And 
John Williams of Shadow Stats, I, I think everyone should check out his site. He's done an amazing job of showing what the numbers would be before they change the CPI uh, um, measurements to fit an inflationary agenda. And if we were to use the numbers they, the way they were calculated in 1980 prior to changing it, uh, we would be at north of 15% inflation right now. And this comes with the federal funds rate still at zero. Uh, yeah. So when you talk about a 10-year treasury paying under 2% with inflation at 15%, but even using the, the, the lying CPI numbers of 7.5%, that means buying a 10-year treasury, which used to be what people would do when they were frightened, they would run to treasuries. Uh, that means that you're guaranteed a 5.5% compounding per year loss on your investment. You're losing 5.5% compounding on buying a 10-year treasury when measured against inflation. doesn't work. And so when the Fed talks about getting tough on inflation and raising rates to 2, 2.5%, that's spitting in the ocean. It doesn't do a damn of any, it doesn't do any good at all, really. All it's going to do is hurt the markets. You see, when we talk about equilibrium, equilibrium between interest rates and inflation, and if we discount the fact that real inflation would be closer to 15%, we use the understated Fed number, the federal funds rate would have to raise by to about 8%. 8% in order to have equilibrium between inflation and interest rates, what that would do to the real estate market, to the bond market, you raise interest rates from, from where they are now to 8%, that's almost an 80% decline in, in bond value. Uh, you move it to 8%, what happens to the real estate market yep. when, when mortgages go to 11 and 12%, not 3 and 4? Uh, what happens to the stock market when you can invest with in treasuries at 8% with safety instead of an overvalued stock market. Now, I use the word safety. It's not really safety any longer in that environment. But 8% into 72, um, that's nine years. So the rule of 70 seconds says you take interest and you divide it into 72. At 8% interest on a treasury, your money would double every nine years. You would have mass exodus out of the stock market. You would cripple the bonds in circulation and the housing market would collapse. The whole economy would implode, raising rates to that level. So they're, they're trapped. And now when you see what's going on uh, in, in Ukraine, uh, this becomes a really big problem. In fact, when you talk about uh, uh, blocking Russia from the SWIFT system, this is a big problem. And people don't talk about the unintended consequences. I think we're on the verge of, of a separate war, and that's on the U.S. dollar. Uh, and I think it could officially be waged at any moment, and that would be between collectively probably Russia and China. Well, but and let's hold on. Let's talk about something quick. Okay, I I want to get into the Ukraine war and why the and then get into what you mean by the war on the dollar versus the Ukraine war. But every time there's been a reset over the last hundred or so years, it is accompanied by a war or a major crisis, and we know that they're trying to do a reset now. So why do they want a war every time that they do a reset? And what do you believe this triggers? It's obvious they've, they provoked Putin into war. It's really obvious when you look at what they've been doing. So what, why do you think this is? And you think it's really the secondary war against the dollar. And then I, So I want you to get back to that. But first answer that question, and then I want to ask, and then I want you to talk about if there's a secondary war against the dollar, what does that look like? But first, 
talk about the you know the fact that a that a war happens during every reset and why well yeah i mean i mean look the the federal reserve which has been talking or paving its way they've been talking about shrinking its balance sheet through something called quantitative tightening and they realize they can't do that because they're going to blow up the market this will give them i believe um, incentive to actually expand their balance sheet again first. And so, in other words, you're looking at a Federal Reserve and a system that's trapped, that if they raise rates, everything blows up. And they have always, all politicians have chosen the path of inflation over austerity, over tough decisions. They will eviscerate the value of the dollar before they let the markets blow up on their own by raising rates, by normalizing rates. And, you know, when you talk about this great reset, um, we're right there. I mean, we're we're really really close to that that type of of a problem happening because you know you're you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Heads you lose, tails you lose. And so if you are looking at a a more accommodating Federal Reserve who 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 goes the other way and starts to continue to inflate and and keep interest rates low, I think that the world will realize that the that they're trapped that the that the fed is trapped and they will start to flee in 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 masses out of the bond market which in and of itself will raise rates and uh, a a massive raising of interest rates uh, is is your great reset that's when everything implodes and uh, i think really what you're seeing is you have you have china which is sympathetic to russia uh, or their concerns rather uh, about the security threat that NATO possesses, Western interference in their domestic affairs. Uh, and they have, for a while now, been laying the foundation for, um, uh, for de-dollarization. Let me get into this for a moment. I think you'll see where I'm going. You know, the SWIFT system is like the, the it's almost the oxygen to a currency as it travels around the globe. You, you cut someone out of the SWIFT system, you cut off their oxygen. They cannot breathe. They cannot move funds around the globe from bank to bank, and businesses will die. Inflation will go to the moon, or the, as well, the value of the dollar will collapse. So the value of the currency will collapse, and which is an inflationary event. Uh, it becomes chaotic. So China uh, and Russia have been working for a long time on something called CIPS. C-I-P-S. It's an alternative to the SWIFT system. It's a cross-border interbank system. And as of uh, just a few months ago, there was over 1,250 countries involved in, in this new system, which circumvents the, the, the SWIFT system. Uh, you have many things that are happening right now, which people aren't thinking about the, uh, uh, the law of unintended consequences. And what will happen is, is by, by cutting off the Russians from the SWIFT system and incentivizing Russia and China to move forward with unilateral trade, uh, sidestepping, usurping the dollar, trading on the SIP system instead of the SWIFT system, uh, you end up creating less demand for the dollar. And at the same time, the United States isn't going to stop its spending. They're not going to stop their inflating. And so you have more dollars being created through a Fed that, that realizes they have to continue printing money to keep the game going. At the same time, you have less demand for the dollar globally. So you have 
less demand and, and more of them, that means a falling dollar in value ultimately. And if you see a falling dollar, what that means is that the people who buy our bonds are going to demand a higher interest rate to um, make up for the, the loss in purchasing power by a country that is inflating away its currency and has less demand as many of the countries are finding alternatives. You look at Russia, they have more gold in their reserves than they do U.S. dollars. They're striking deals with countries around the globe, uh, unilateral deals. They just struck one with Saudi Arabia and Nigeria for military protection. Well, and the other thing is uh, Russia only has, what, a 19% debt ratio. Russia and China are, are, are laying the foundation to completely sidestep the U.S. dollar. And as you have all of these things happen, interest rates have to rise as demand for the dollar wanes and you continue to print more and more of them. The incentive to hold a depreciating asset like U.S. treasuries or dollars becomes less and less and less. And so whichever way they go, they're, they're in trouble. We are in trouble. The U.S. dollar is in trouble. And I think these these actions that they're taking with Russia are only going to hasten the demise of the dollar. This is a, a seminal moment right now. So when you talk about a reset, yeah, you don't need to, to threaten nuclear war. The, the nuclear option is a mass dumping of treasuries and dumping of dollars. And as this starts to happen, if you think inflation is bad here now, there is more money outside the U.S. than there is in the U.S. through through the dollars that have circled the globe because almost 100% of oil settlement globally is in dollars. And if all of a sudden there is a, an alternative, uh, you will see dollars come flooding home like you can't believe a tsunami of dollars at the worst possible time when inflation is already rampant here in the States. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not a good thing, Sarah. So when we talk about owning gold and silver, it is not to get wealthy. It is to get out of the way of what's coming. And I think what we're seeing right now in front of us will only hasten the speed in which that, that this happens and speed things up, I think, dramatically. So why do you think they were provoking it so hard, knowing that it will, I mean, are they trying to destroy the United States? I mean, I just don't even understand some of the decisions. The decisions are so bad that I don't understand them because, you know, Biden provoking war against Russia after they shut down our oil pipelines. You know, that yeah. kind of stuff. Well, not only that, they're going to make it very, very, the cost of fuel and the cost of, uh, of natural gas is already going up. It'll go through the, the roof. The majority of all of the natural gas that goes to places like Germany <clears throat> comes from Russia. Yes. And so you're talking about being able, just like they did with the virus, to pass blame to the war or to the virus uh, as to what's happening to the economy, to the markets, to the dollar, and give them the ability to um, blow things up and pass the buck and blame it on that, on that war. Yeah, but do you think they're actually doing that? Because they're not going to be able to pass the buck onto anything else when, he, when they're doing things like closing down our pipelines. I mean, he just did some more activity this past weekend. And then do provoking war with Russia. Nobody's going to believe you that they're packing. We all know what the reality is. You keep the borders open and all these people flowing through. Everybody knows the reality and who's to blame at this point. So how are they passing the buck? Or do they purposely want to speed up 
the collapse and the destruction of the United States? I think they, they have no choice but to speed it up. Um, and, and, you know, you say everybody, Sarah, you and I have been the pimple on the elephant's ass for a long time. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, I think the world is waking up, you know, they're, they're waking up. I think you and your, your following and the amazing work you do, even with one hand tied behind your back the last couple of years dealing with censorship, um, we're still the exception. Now, I would say that you're beginning to see a great awakening, even by the, the, the liberal left, who is waking up to the fact that people they elected are, are, are the person that they've elected to run this country is in no in no shape to be handling these types of decisions. And the truth be told, he's not the one pulling the strings. No. He's just out there talking about it and not, not real good. <clears throat> uh, I, I think that we have reached a point where the rubber meets the road and uh you know it, it's difficult but you know there's there's occam's razor the most logical answer is probably the right one and and they can speed it up and they can usher in a new round of central bank digital currencies uh where they if you think we have loss of, of freedom now just wait until there's a central bank digital currency and they will roll it in saying that, you know, it's something like the problems that we're seeing right now where they're talking about major cyber attacks on, on the banks. You keep hearing it, cyber attack, cyber attack, cyber attack. But isn't it ironic that the same group that simulated a coronavirus pandemic in 2019, the Klaus Schwab, the, the World Economic Forum, the BIS, the, the International Monetary Fund, 11 countries in the United States Treasury met last year and simulated a global cyber yes. what it would look like when our fed chairman powell was asked what is the biggest threat to this economy he said a cyber attack what do you keep hearing every day lately cyber attack cyber attack cyber attack and if you don't think that that's a possibility well uh you know how much of a possibility was it in 2009 when the same group met to talk met to talk about a global pandemic uh i don't know is it here is every time they do a simulation it follows I'll take it one step further. Take it one step further. Uh, Fed Chairman Powell, when he, people thought he wasn't going to be reappointed, but they did reappoint him. Everyone, including myself, thought it would be Lael Brainerd, uh, the modern monetary theorist uh, who advocates a central bank digital currency uh, abolishment of the commercial banks, um, monetary policy enacted directly to the public through their iPhone, in essence, but also the ability to take money away from the public when uh, inflation heats up too much or give money to the public when uh, they need to uh, speed things up. The ability to enact monetary policy directly instead of the way it is right now, where it has to be lent into existence by the commercial banks, uh, they'll come in and cry for that. Well, Lael Brainerd, while she wasn't nominated and Powell was, she was nominated as the uh, vice governor of the of the Federal Reserve. She's next in line. And her modern monetary theory is what we are seeing right in front of us. It's playing out. And I think that they will use these types of events and they'll blame it on the Russians and say they hacked our system. Just like they blame the crashing of the, of the airplanes into the Trade Center on, you know, on, on a Muslim radical group. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it is Russia who's hacking into the banks. Maybe it isn't. I don't know, and I'm not an expert on that, but I just 
Here again, Occam's razor would simply say, if you see the banks go down, we are about this far away from a central bank digital currency. Well, it'll be safe. It'll be issued by the Fed. And well, it'll be real safe, much safer than having your money in various commercial banks that are being hacked and all of the funds stolen. There's never been a more important time to, to detach yourself from the matrix, from the system. Number one, I'd have cash in hand, five grand, 10 grand, 2,500, 25,000, whatever you can get in small bills, fives and tens at home. Because when the shit hits the fan, you're going to want cash. You're going to want gold and silver. And when you talk about silver being as undervalued as anything on the planet, to me, that's where the real potential is. But when it finally accentuates itself, that moment where gold and silver reached that, that really high level that we've all been thinking it would for a long time, Remember the old statement, be careful what you wish for. We are at a period of time where the dollar is teetering on a precipice and the rest of the world for the very first time is waking up to not only uh, what has happened through inflation, but also we are forcing the hand of our adversaries. And when you talk about the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, China, India, South Africa, let's not forget about the Belt Road Initiative that we've talked about a few shows ago, which is the largest, most ambitious infrastructure project in human history, connecting Asia and Africa, 75% of human population, 45% uh, of global GDP before industrialization of this, uh, this new mass, this new infrastructure. And if they roll out a new uh, uh, digital currency, like they already have uh, the, the Chinese digital yuan, which most of the contracts on this new project are, are settling on the new digital yuan. What if they come out and peg it to gold and back it to gold and like that, the dollar collapses because the rest of the world will flock to a, a digital currency with the immutability of the gold held on a distributed ledger and a, a currency backed by an asset, rather one backed by the greatest edifice of debt the world has ever seen. We are at that moment and we are pushing Russia and China into this. And if you don't think China sees what's going on here as, an, as, a, as a moment to uh, embolden them and move towards Taiwan, well, you know, here again, I think we are entering a period of time where people need to wake up. And if, if you hold all your assets in dollars, you are destined to go broke when this thing goes bust. This is why having precious metals is not about getting rich. It's about having biblical wealth, 5,000-year-old wealth that's lived through every world war that's lived through German hyperinflation, that's lived through the Great Depression, that's lived through every pandemic and still immutable. And it will be too when the dust settles this time around. So, Well, and I want to say, if, if everything goes to hell, which it looks like it's going to, <laughs> unfortunately, it will not be, I mean, people shouldn't wish for this. Basically what I'm saying is if silver goes up to $1,000 an ounce, well, yeah, we'll, I'll have more money because I'd have a lot of silver. It'll be a bad situation, won't it? I mean, we're looking at a lot of ugliness for the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's ironic, too, that even Europe is, is talking about escaping the dollar hegemony. The German foreign minister had, had just called uh, for a new EU-based payment system independent of the U.S. SWIFT system. Uh, and so you're hearing and seeing more and more talk about sidestepping the dollar hegemony. Well, and they act so arrogantly about it, you know, in the news and stuff about, well, let's take Putin off the SWIFT system, and that's going to... 
and we got to pound them into the ground and all this stuff. And I think we are so dumb. I mean, these people are so dumb. Yeah, it is. And uh, it, it is not only provoking, um, which he came out and publicly said, removal from the Swift system, Swift, Swift system is further provocation to the point where he's put his nuclear, uh, his nuclear division of his nuclear armed forces on high alert.